morning. Welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Thursday morning. We've got all of Wednesday's NBA action from the Orlando bubble at the Walt Disney World Resort. I'm Zach Harper. That's Jared Weiss, Brian Smith, writing out all the possible playing tournament possibilities. Coming up on today's show, the league has guidelines on who can come to the bubble. Russell Westbrook is unfortunately hurt, and Giannis will not be allowed to play against Memphis on Thursday. But first, Jared, the Clippers have secured the two-seed Bust out the parade. They did it. This is what we all came here for. It's what we were all waiting for tonight because it's not a great night of basketball that had any meaning outside of this. But Clippers 124, Nuggets 111. Denver needed two wins and two Clipper losses in order to grab the two seed from them. But they didn't get any of those. So uh, they end up with the three seed or maybe a little bit worse, but most likely the three seed. No Gary Harris, no Will Barton for the Nuggets, no Montrez Harrell for the Clippers. Denver entered this game with the worst defense in the bubble, and Jared, still pretty much the worst defense in the bubble. They can't stop anybody. They forced like six turnovers in this game. You know, I know the Clippers are probably the big takeaway here, but Denver was bad on defense, especially in the second half. Hey, you know what? When you got Nikola Jokic, you got to lean into that personality, and that's a lot of offense and not a lot of defense. And so, you know, I mean, they are missing Gary Harris and Will Barton, and that will definitely help their defensive capability, especially matching up against a team like the Clippers if they are able to make it to the second round, where I think Harris and Barton will be really valuable for trying to match up against Kawhi and Paul George. But at the end of the day, I mean, they're getting bull bull minutes out there. MPJ, as great as he's been offensively, he's not locking down those kind of players yet. So it's not a surprise to see their individual defensive matchups not working, but it is absolutely alarming that their defensive system is just not capable to holding teams below 120 right now. I mean, I guess to be fair, they were up 92 to 90, I think, at the end of the third quarter. They didn't play the starters except for a little bit of MPJ in that fourth quarter. But, like, they still gave up 90 points through three quarters, right? It's not like they were really stopping them. They gave up 40 in the third quarter. Clippers' three-point shooting came alive in the third quarter. They were just 4 of 16 from deep in the first half. They went 10 of 21 in the second half. Kawhi Leonard just too much. He was physically dominant in this one. Paul George got it going late, going from a 5 of 15 night to a 9 of 20 night on his way to 20-plus points. Jokic, I guess, was the star of the first three quarters. Like, Jared, he was pulling passes out of his ass. Like, he was just the arm angles, that one to Jeremy Grant, where he basically just, like, wrapped it around Paul George's shoulder. We know that's a surgically repaired shoulder, so you have to be very careful about that shoulder when you're wrapping a pass around it. But Jokic was, he was just put on a clinic. No, he's an ass passer. We know this. And (laughs) I think the real, I'm not going to waste too much time analyzing this game and rather port it out to the playoffs. Do we think that a defense is going to be able to figure out how to basically guard against the way that this team operates around Jokic? And, you know, they have such a depth of players that they can put around him that are different types of players where you know, they can have multitudes of offense even within the basic style of Jokic just kind of posting up from either the pinch post up high or down on the block. So I don't know if there's ever going to be a way to slow down his playmaking. That was kind of my question watching this is like Zubats is a big dude, right? And I guess you don't want to get him into foul trouble and there's only so much he can do defensively, but he's a solid defender. I wondered because he's such a big guy, you don't have to worry too much about single coverage. So the Clippers kept doubling and Jokic just kept finding guys. But to me, like I'd almost pull the Spurs Steve Nash look on it and just say like, all right, you have to be a scorer tonight. Maybe you'll drop 45 on us, but you have to be a scorer. We're not going to give you the opportunities to just make plays for everybody else, and then we don't know where those points are coming from. But at the same time, 
maybe he just finds guys anyway because he's pulling these passes. Again, he's an ass passer, as you said. And the thing that makes it so dangerous with him, and they showed it tonight or in this game, is that they are a team that will work the shot clock down to the very end. They're not scared of that clock ticking down. And there was this one possession they had where I, I think it was Monty Morris and Torrey Craig or something like that. They kept passing the ball to each other across the court over and over and over again. And the shot clock's getting down to like five at this point. You're thinking at some point, someone's got to take a bad shot. Instead, they get it down to Jokic. Somebody cuts baseline and Jokic finds them and they, and they lay it up with like two seconds left. And it just shows the persistence and patience of this Denver team. You're not going to be able to outwork them. You're not going to be able, a defense just cannot outwork an offense throughout full 24 seconds of the shot clock when they're able to pass as willingly and as competently as this Nuggets team does. Yeah, that's a great point too because they don't panic as it gets to like 5-4 on the clock. Like they're still just running the offense and I think that's usually when a team is working a full shot clock, they start to panic as that clock runs down. These guys just don't. Like they feel very comfortable in those ticking seconds in each possession. That's a grind. Luckily, you can just score on them on the other end. Right, like that's that's the, I guess that's the the trade off. Michael Malone did sit the starters in the fourth, as I mentioned. They had a two point lead. MPJ didn't have a great one, but Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant was phenomenal. He was the benefactor of a lot of these Jokic passes. Like he was cleaning up on cuts. Jokic just found him time after time. He had 15 in the third quarter, 25 overall. Jeremy Grant, like I think he's probably the key to just how good I, everyone talks about Michael Porter Jr. and what he can mean. I just don't think he's going to mean anything as a rookie in the playoffs. He might have a game, but like for the most part, I think Jeremy Grant's the dude that makes the difference. That was one of the value plays of the offseason, bringing him in. They really scored there, and it's amazing to see him scoring. That's just not his role usually. It's really icing on the cake when he's doing that. And we saw some really nice finishing moves from him, way better than I'm used to seeing out of him. And he was pulling up and hitting from deep. And that's just that's another part of his game you don't really ever see. So if they can luck into a lot more of that, that's when they have some real potential to do some damage. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kawhi had 26 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists in 33 minutes. Played deep into the fourth quarter, though, uh, even though the, the Nuggets had their third and second units in. Paul George, 27 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals. Lou Williams had a good game. He had 23 points, 7 assists in 24 minutes. For the Nuggets, all right, 33 assists as a team. Sounds pretty good, right, Jared? That's pretty good. They're 13-5 and five when they get 30-plus assists. That sounds good, right? I'm not setting you up for a butt, am I? Couldn't possibly be. But? But two of those five losses have come in the bubble in the last week. They're passing too much. I don't know if I actually believe that, but two straight losses, I think, when they get 30-plus assists. So that's a trend that's, that's troubling. Sharing is not always caring. Overpassing has come up a lot in the bubble from a bunch of different teams, and... I guess it's really all about perspective because all of that BS that we just said about how they were a confident passing team willing to go late into the shot clock. A lot of other teams, you know, a lot of people would call that indecisiveness and scared <laughs> to take the shot, stuff like that. Now, I wasn't trying to say that it was BS before because I really did feel that way. I was really impressed by just how willing they are to keep going. And they do have enough guys that are willing to take that shot that I'm pretty confident in them. But yeah, at a certain point, the ceiling of the Nuggets is that. Jokic is always going to work because he only plays at one speed, right? So they're basically having to play at his speed. And I can't imagine really any matchup where he can't really play his game. But if there ever is a matchup where he can't really play his game, then this Nuggets team is going to have a lot of trouble actually finding an end to that thread of passing. 
We'll get back to the Daily Ding in a bit, but first, a word from our sponsors. Guys, you have to start manscaping. I don't want to tell you again. I'm sick of telling you. You have to start manscaping because let me tell you this. You got a significant other? They're going to enjoy it, and that means you're going to enjoy it if you know what I mean. Let me tell you about the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. I had no idea it was waterproof. I've been standing over a wastebasket in my bathroom like a sucker. Like an absolute idiot trying to make sure I'm just properly manscaped. I could have been doing it in the shower the whole time because the thing's waterproof. It's a cordless body trimmer. You can get any kind of like the bombs, the lotions, anything from Manscaped. It's by far the best way to take care of the way you look. You got to get it inside the perfect package, which you can get from Manscaped. You're going to get the crop preserver. It's an anti-chafing ball deodorant. I know you might be laughing at that. Trust me, it will change your life. You get moisturizer, plus you get the Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value to keep all your stuff in there. And then you get the Manscaped Boxer Briefs. It's high-performance, reduced chafing. That'll keep all your other stuff in place. Get 20% off free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off at manscaped.com with the code THEATHLETIC20. You're going to get not one. But two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, $39 value, and those high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use the promo code THEATHLETIC20. And now, a word from our friends at Indochino. Jared, let's get to the news. They got a bunch of news today, which is surprising. The NBA sent out a memo to teams letting them know which people are allowed to come visit in the bubble. This is via ESPN. As the NBA prepared for arrival of guests, they said the non-family members must have a long-standing relationship. Known by the player only through social media or intermediaries will not be allowed. An established pre-existing personal and known relationship. That's the only way you get in the bubble. Jared, how is this possibly enforceable? Well, from what I'm hearing, Adam Silver is going to go through all of the DMs with every (laughs) single person listed. And uh, if you use the three heart emoji as opposed to the one heart emoji in three different colors, that's actually the main signifier that you're allowed to say in the bubble. I think this is just a scare tactic or try to like maybe hoping players will be dumb enough to be like, oh, man, they're not letting them in. Or maybe it gives them an excuse to not like invite this person and you can invite this person instead, right? This just seems like such just like a fake level of security, a (laughs) fake criteria to me, because like, how would you even go through that? Unless you're going through the DMs, like you say, like, there's no way. There's absolutely, like, you have to show, like, five pictures over the years with these people. It doesn't make any sense to me. I call BS on the league. I'm imagining that the teams might have to do some self-monitoring to a degree. But I think the general idea is to try to prevent a situation where players are bringing girls in and out of the bubble. And just not having turnover. Because, hey, once you're in the bubble and you're adhering to protocols, it doesn't really matter what your relationship is necessarily. Except for, I mean, there's the whole privacy part and the players getting to have a relaxed environment part but as far as the actual covid security aspect of it i think this is mostly just about trying to avoid situations where player x is using that fourth slot to uh you know get get a nice little rotation going there well here's the thing is i think it's part of that i also think that they're trying to make sure that we don't have crossover right that we don't have Maybe someone in one hotel has someone that someone else in the hotel wanted to invite or thought about inviting or couldn't get an invite for, right? There's some crossover in this league, 
And it's not just from Chris Paul's hands. With that implicated Chris Paul. You know what I mean. There's crossover amongst players. I think that's the prevention. Are you trying to say that an NBA player might have hooked up with someone that another NBA player hooked up with? There's no way that's possible. Sometimes their lives mirror the lives of the sports writers that cover them. You know? Just sometimes. <laughs> it happens. Also, speaking of people not being around, Giannis will be suspended for Thursday's game against the Memphis Grizzlies for headbutting Mo Wagner the other night. Is the league actually suspending Giannis, or are they just worried that Memphis is overmatched on Thursday, Jared? It's funny because I'm coming at this from the other end that Giannis got off easy. The Bucks got really lucky here that the NBA is suspending Giannis for a game that he wasn't going to play anyway. That's he true, actually. There, guys. <laughs> All the top teams are sitting their main guys for the last game. This was a huge break for them that they're not losing him for game one against Orlando, which we all know that Orlando would give them a huge run for their money if right, Giannis yeah, they wasn't out there anyway, right? 15 yeah. instead of 30. So this has clearly flipped the first round in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess you're right. Adam Silver going through DMs, but taking a, a quick break just to make sure that the Bucks are protected in Game One of the first round because that will set the tone for the series. I think you're onto something. Uh, Russell Westbrook has a quadricep injury. Uh, an MRI revealed a strained muscle in his right quadricep. They're going to reevaluate him before the playoffs next week. Uh, but there's a little bit of concern that this could be an injury that kind of sticks around for Russ, and and he hasn't been that explosive. In the bubble as he's come back, we know he he had tested positive for COVID before. Um, he just doesn't look quite as the same rust as before. Are you worried about uh, about Westbrook in this one? Yeah, I'm infuriated because I've been so excited to see Houston really put their uh, their new methodology to the test. And if Russ isn't 100%, then it, there's no way it's going to work. And a strained quad, I feel like that's like the worst injury for him because he loses so much of his launching power and all the stuff that really makes him so deadly when he's hurt. Yeah, he really does. I mean, I like the dynamic he brings to Houston this year because after that first year under D'Antoni, they kind of just said, oh, we, we don't want to run. James Harden doesn't want to run. He's just going to slow things down. We're going to isolate. We're going to do all this stuff, right? And and it's worked for the most part, at least offensively. But Russ brings a pace to that team. Like when Russ is in the game with James, they push the tempo a lot more. When Russ is on the floor and James is not on, like they really push. Like they are crazy up tempo. And I and I just like watching Russ play anyway. So I was hoping that this isn't serious. Hopefully, it still will not be serious. They'll get him back in time for the playoffs, and they'll be able to give us the show that we've been waiting all season for, especially the small ball show. Like, Russ is a center now. I love it. I was actually going through pick-and-roll footage with, uh, from the bubble with James Harden, and Russ is like their second or third most screener with James Harden. It's mostly Jeff Green and Robert Covington, but they run a lot of pick-and-roll with Russ as the big in that situation. And, I mean, I, I'm saying as someone who I thought Russell Westbrook was probably my least favorite player to watch in the NBA for the last several years, or really just most of his career. This year, he was my favorite player to watch. He was in control. He's just energized and lifted the spirit of that club. He has made them endlessly entertaining, and he's playing both within himself and within the construct of the team, and it's maximum fun whenever he's on the floor. NBA also reported another round of zero positive tests for COVID-19, so they're keeping that streak going, which is good. And speaking of keeping streaks going, Nate McMillan will get at least a one-year extension with the Indiana Pacers. That was announced today. And Brad Stevens is getting a, a contract extension with the Boston Celtics. Jared, good move by the Celtics, or should he be on the hot seat? 
<laughs> get him out after what happened last year to see how good they are this year i mean there was no question he was getting an extension they've made a habit of whenever stevens gets halfway through his deal they just re-up it back up to six years and so we don't know yet what the length of this extension is but i'd imagine it's probably two or three years to get him back there but i'm so glad to see nate mcmillan get this deal he has been a, you know a really unsung great coach in indiana for several years now they really overhauled the team this year and they've gotten even better and i'm really i'm really excited to see what they do in the playoffs i mean they have a legitimate shot to get uh to get like a pretty deep run here they play really well under him and i i do think he's a little underappreciated as a coach like he's just done a good job his whole run there um it's good to see him get rewarded hopefully it'll be more than just a one-year extension coming up all right, let's get to another big game from Wednesday night's action. Raptors 125, Sixers 121. Both teams locked into their seating going into this game pretty much, so no need to no need to really have this one out. Actually, we had a fun environment in the fourth quarter as all these, you know, basically third unit guys were in there and we had the two benches just cheering each other on, right? Just talking smack to the other bench. It was very playful, it was very fun. Felt like almost an all-star game environment, even though it was like Chris Boucher, Stanley Johnson, and Firkin Korkmaz, right? Like that's what yeah, it was. But we an all-star game environment for sure. Exactly right. Uh, Joel Embiid, Al Horford, Tobias Harris, and Josh Richardson were back after their uh, Sixers charitable effort for the Phoenix Suns the other night. Still no Ben Simmons, obviously the knee surgery. Raptors were just hoping to remain healthy. They couldn't hit shots early in this one, but they rallied. 8-0 run to start the third quarter gave them the lead, and then the end of this game, Jared was. This is basically the sequence. Paul Watson. Heard of him? Nope. I hadn't until today, but he scored a bucket. He scored a, a runner in the final minute. It was followed up by a Howell Neto three-point play to put the Sixers up two. Stanley Johnson then tied it up with a layup right before the Raptors forced a miss with 18 seconds left. The benches are going crazy. And then Stanley Johnson gets the game-winning bucket. First, he passed off to somebody. I don't know who it was. It might have been Paul Watson again. I don't know. It got blocked. Stanley Johnson got the offensive rebound, hits the little shot in the middle of the lane with five seconds left. Sixers turned it over on the inbound pass. We get some free throws, and that is your final score, the 125-121. But significant part about this game, no Nick Nurse. He let Adrian Griffin get the coaching job today. Adrian Griffin, 1-0, maybe Nick Nurse. Hot seat. I think Nick Nurse might have spent a little too much time at the wet bar this afternoon, and that's why he ended <laughs> up uh, sitting on the sidelines. I mean, if anybody saw that interview, he uh, he started off a little sluggish in he the interview. He sounded a little groggy, man. He sounded yeah. a little groggy. <laughs> yeah, it's, at least Susie Culver wasn't there. But I thought that was so cool, though. It was just like a straight-up infomercial for Adrian Griffin. He was basically saying if someone doesn't hire Adrian Griffin as their coach next season, cough Chicago Bulls. Cough, who else am I forgetting that's supposed to be looking for a coach right now? You know, like basically, like, how dare you not hire Adrian Griffin was his message. And it was so cool. I can't remember the last time I saw a regular season coach or a coach sit out a regular season game to just see it as a, basically a showcase for his assistant coach. Yeah, it, w- it was really fun. And Adrian Griffin's had a few interviews here and there over the years for head coaching positions. I do think he's got to be he's got to be one of the guys that's next. Like the, he is really well regarded around the league as a as a top assistant coach, um, and he's one and zero. He's got a perfect record right now. You can't get better than perfect. Kyle Lowry uh, was big in this one, nineteen points in twenty five minutes. Chris Boucher, nineteen points, nine rebounds, four blocks, bunch of threes, bunch of just plays around the rim. Twenty two minutes off the bench. Stanley Johnson took over down the stretch with five points, four assists, four rebounds in nine minutes. Uh, Embiid, this one, not good. 
He wasn't good in the game back. I don't know if it was the ankle. I don't know if it was Marcus Gasol, but he had five points, nine rebounds, five turnovers in 14 minutes. Are you worried about Joel Embiid? Very. And I mean, we all know Marcus Gasol will be the Embiid killer as long as he lives. I mean, Joel will never score on him forever. But Joel's got a wrist problem. He was grabbing his wrists. He left the game early. They basically pulled him for injury concern to a degree there. So, yeah, I mean, they're they're going to be facing Boston, and he matches up obviously very nicely against Boston, where Daniel Tice is just a little too undersized. Ennis Cantor's big enough to take him on, but Ennis Cantor can obviously be taken advantage of pretty well. So they need Joel healthy because if he's healthy – he can actually win them a series all on his own. It's very possible. It's the one sliver of hope that this team has to still make a run and get far enough that Ben Simmons could somehow come back and they can still save Brett Brown's job, probably. The only guy that legitimately is on the hot seat of all the guys we've gone over so far. Right, maybe Adrian Griffin will coach that team because I don't think he's I think he's gone. <laughs> I, don't, I, mean, I don't think there's a chance. Um, yeah, I mean, Embiid, they do need him healthy for obvious reasons, but if they want any chance of beating the Celtics, it's because Embiid's got to be a monster, right? Like, I don't think the Celtics are worried about Tobias Harris. He was good in this one, 22 points in 25 minutes, had six boards and five assists, along with two blocks. But, like, I think that when you have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Gordon Hayward and Kemba Walker, you're not worried about Tobias Harris beating you. As loaded as the Sixers' defense was supposed to be on paper this year, they still don't have enough weapons to contain everybody that Boston has. But they could fight fire with fire. And Furkan Korkmaz, he likes to get hot off Ooh. the bench. He had 21 in this game. He's been a flamethrower when the Celtics uh, face the Sixers a lot of the time. But he, like the rest of the Sixers' offense, too streaky to really be counted on. So this was not Philly coming out and saying, hey, guys, I know we're down, but we're going to rally and really play our perfect basketball here and really give it our all to try to make something magical happen. And that there just isn't much to really be inspired by right now from them. No, not at all. Uh, Raptors did miss 13 free throws in this one. Sixers turned it over 17 times. Other games from the bubble. Pacers took down the Rockets 108-104 earlier on Wednesday. Five different Pacers scored in double figures. Even though they didn't have TJ Warren, James Harden had 45 points, 17 rebounds, and 9 assists in the loss. Thunder used a 31-9 run to erase a 20-point deficit in this one. Got two, I know this sounds cliche, Jared, but two clutch Mike Muscala three-pointers in the final minute to beat Miami 116-115. It's classic Mike Muscala superhero mode, but that's what happened. Darius Baisley had 21-9-4 off the bench for the Thunder. Tyler Hero had 30 off the bench for the Heat. Coming up on Thursday, it's time for what I'm dubbing play-in tournament Mageddon. You will get your play-in tournament results on Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific time, 4 p.m. Eastern. The Grizzlies take on the Bucks Again, no Giannis for that one. Grizzlies control their own destiny with a win. If they lose, they need the Suns and the Spurs to lose in order to make the play-in tournament. Also at 1 p.m. Pacific time, 4 p.m. Eastern, the Suns take on the Mavericks. Suns have to win to go 8-0 and have a chance to make the play-in tournament. At 3.30 Pacific time, 6.30 Eastern, the Spurs take on the Utah Jazz. Spurs have to win in order to play in the tournament to have any kind of chance to get the play-in tournament. The Jazz have been actively tanking to avoid the Houston Rockets, so maybe that'll help the Spurs out in this one. And then the Blazers will cap it all off 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern. Blazers take on the Brooklyn Nets win, and they're the 8 seed, lose, and they'll need the Grizzlies and or the Suns to lose to remain in the play-in tournament. Jared, what do you want to see in this play-in tournament? 
I mean, we want to see Dame first and foremost. If Dame was just having a normal bubble, that would have been enough. But the fact that Dame is playing at a historic level right now, we need more Dame. We need more stares. We need more cursing without any furrowing of the brow, just pure, raw, psychopathic emotion or lack thereof. Like the NBA set it up perfectly. We have a simultaneous, like a double elimination thing going on here where the Suns and Grizzlies are playing in separate games in the arenas next to each other. I wish we were in Vegas so we could literally hear the oh, cheers man. from like across the hall. That would have been amazing. Have people running back and forth between the two courts. That would have been incredible. I'm sure there'll be one person running back and forth between the courts via protocols but i mean this is great i mean this is legit august madness at its very peak yep the nba does not get beat in august i've always said that over the decades it's always about the nba in august the one month it's always about yeah exactly i just want to see suns blazers they've been the two most exciting teams let's get that let's get devin booker devin booker versus damian lillard for the playing tournament make it happen adam silver rig it that's what I want. Let's get some cheating going on. We want Suns Blazers. Give it to us for Saturday and Sunday. That's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget about the other basketball shows across the Athletic Podcast Network. Of course, the Athletic NBA show. We got a fun one on point of contention. It's myself hosting. It's Ethan Strauss and Marcus Thompson debating each other. We've got no dunks. They've got some of just the best coverage and discussion around the bubble going on every single day. Of course, House of Strauss, the team-specific podcast, all that good stuff. Click on the app, click follow on, on the episodes, you get notifications for new episodes, plus you can comment, and you do that by becoming a subscriber. Go to theathletic.com slash daily ding and get yourself a subscription to The Athletic. Thanks for waking up with us. Please wear a mask. Please socially distance. Please stay away from each other if you, if you can. And Jared, please hit me with that sign-off. Ding dong.